Oh, we are back. Sopranos Podcast fans, thank you for joining us today. Season 4, Episode 2, All That Glitters. All this fucking pussy footing around years now. Why don't we just get it all out there? That's a quote from Meadow Soprano at the climax of Season 4, Episode 2 of The Sopranos. Entitled No Show, written by Terrence Winter and David Chase, and directed by John Patterson. They got their A-team on it, and it showed. I loved this episode. No Show is a low-key favorite of mine from season four. One of those that may slip under the radar to some extent, but every time I watch it, I'm, I'm riveted and moved. I loved it. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mantini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we're going to break it down for you. Guys, initial thoughts on No Show. This is a good episode. This is a potentially really dangerous episode, mm-hmm. right? Because the stuff that is introduced in No Show, particularly with this uh, Adriana Danielle storyline going forward the way it is, yeah, uh, is potentially an atom bomb, right? So I was wondering, you know, not really knowing season four that well, I was like, what is the angle on season four? And now I can see some of the scope of it in a way that I think I could see a little bit more than I did in uh, All Deaths Public and Private. Mm. Chris, what do you think of this episode? I love it. And for very much what Jordan just said, it's a big escalation. I think Jerry DiMatteo is extremely talented. That's the actress who plays Adriana. And her importance to the show just got bumped up a major notch. She was already important, but this is huge. And that's just it. It's the gravity of this episode because what's happening on the domestic front with Meadow has been building since the show began, basically. This confrontation and what happens as this episode goes on, and then the way the episode ends in a particularly powerful way, really haunts you and sticks with you. But at the same time, we have this Adriana storyline, and this is truly an escalation of stakes and danger from the feds. This is... Yes, they had their big coup on leadership in season one, and Junior got pinched, but this Adriana shit is very bad. This This is the most effective route in that they've the stumbled, feds... They've stumbled onto a competent uh, framework. Yeah. Yes, exactly. This is bad for the Soprano crew that this has happened to Adriana. So that's escalating. And also, look, I'm a Chris fan, and this is a very cool Chris episode. I love the shit at the Esplanade site. I love seeing Chris put into this role. Things with Paulie in jail are getting more interesting with Johnny Sack. We t- kind of touched down on this once every episode, so... I just like where this episode's going. I think I slightly prefer it to the premiere, just as a general which would you rather watch thing. I agree. So, yeah, we're on a... We're, season four, it's on a slow, deliberate, but good start. What did you think, Paul? I like it, too. I It's so funny, and I'm, I'm actually delighted to tell on myself once again. I watched this episode, and I totally got why, when I was 20, I didn't really give a shit. Mm. Or I thought this was too slow. Oh, the, the dynamic, it's not... Fast enough, it's not exciting enough. But I dug it. I had a good time watching it. You know, I love that the characters are passive-aggressive. I love that Tony doesn't know how to deal not only with some of the issues that come up, but who they come from. Yeah. Like, why is Meadow my wayward child in this episode? Why is Silvio the one on the business front that I'm having trouble trusting? Yeah, Um, good point. Like, Meadow... And Meadow's whole thing with on the domestic front, she's sort of regressing, right? As Ralphie says, she's pulling away from... Her work ethic and showing up for school. Meanwhile, the scam on the mob front is operating between not showing up and not 
doing any work. Mm, very um, good. I didn't pick up any of that. Uh, no show, no pretense, and the pretense of Deb slash Danielle's whole scam falls away. And uh, yeah, so it adds up to a cool episode. I, I dug it. I really... The ending is tough, but I love it. Yeah. Well said. You got uh, three big plots. Again, something season four is doing more so than previous seasons, and I can say this comfortably two episodes in. There's more going on per episode, and they're a little less, they feel a little less self-contained. I think one of the original concepts of The Sopranos, and perhaps more, it, it would work this way more so in seasons one and two, you could just pick up a random episode and watch it independently. These episodes, at least at first, one in the first two of season four, feel like they're less independent, <clears throat> meaning you have to, they're, they're kind of relying on what's been built previously, which is fine. It's just a noticeable change in the way it's the show's being done. So there's a lot of other little threads that just get touched on once or twice throughout the episode. But generally, the ABC plots here would be the crisis at home with Meadow, the Adriana, Danielle, slash Deborah situation, and Chris, Paulie, Patsy, the no-show jobs, the whole Esplanade thing. So we'll get into it from the top here. We see Danielle at home again. We saw this in the last episode. She has an Adriana phone. It's like this purple phone that when that rings, Will Arnett knows to take the baby somewhere else. And she gets into character, lilac personal shopping. And then we get this scene at home with Carmela and Meadow. This scene is very good. And what I mean by that in, in, in just how it's written is this is a very believable conversation between a college student and their mother when the mother believes that the student is not doing what's right for them or the, is the best course of action. The acting is on point. The writing is on point. I love the exchanges they have. Meadows keeps getting interrupted by the phone right as Carmela starts gaining some ground in the points she's making. Her grades have been going down. She has all the excuses in the world. The paper mill playhouse. Xeroxing doesn't count towards a drama minor internship. Did you call and ask? No, I didn't. So can we shit? And you know that. Can we shit can the courtroom theatrics? Tony is listening, getting dressed like Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> uh, Not we, wanting yeah. to be involved yeah, in exactly. any of that. <laughs> Wants no part of it. Zero interest. And I, I also love this exchange where Meadow goes into this whole bullshit. I read half the canon out by the pool. You know, uh... The uh, dead white males, dead white males, who even in their reductionism have interesting things to say about life and death. Maybe more interesting things than you. Is a uh, Mary Higgins Clark <laughs> included in that canon? <laughs> Thank you, Carmella, for that fucking epic thing. Yes, c correct. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I needed the wind out of those but, sails. Jesus. Yeah, and then Carmella finally asks, "Did you get up and re did you register for classes at least?" And she says, "I will." And Carmella's like, ah, "Just go." enough like she she just she's so frustrated with how meadow is behaving right now and it's it's funny it's it, <laughs> it's hard they're not sure how long to let this leash out you know right. like all right she's grieving jackie jr she's lost her way a bit maybe she'll find it she's always been self-motivated she's eight she's her own person she's 18 mm -hmm. uh it's like how much can we really force her to do Every parent has struggled with this. Yeah. Every, every parent has struggled mm -hmm. with, you don't like the way the kids are behaving anymore, but they're no longer children. They're young men and women. What do you do? Yep. They can make the decisions you don't want them to make, but you still want to guide them in the right way right. and exercise assertive parenting. And we could just say this, or I mean, I think so. Meadow is being a, a asshole 
She is. Right? I yeah. mean, Carmella doesn't deserve to be treated this way. And uh, this is now, like, the, you know, second episode in a row we're just seeing Carmella just abused by her family. Yeah. Just utterly. And Meadow's behavior is misdirected because she is... Multi- I mean, multiple things can be true at once, right? The Jackie incident was a traumatic incident. Yes. And this is misdirected, not just, it's not really about Jackie for her deep down. I think it's about her family dynamic and the hypocrisy she's constantly been exposed to and how she has to exist as Tony Soprano's daughter in the world being misdirected. And it's also her using it when it's convenient to go partying at the shore. I love Tony's line later in the episode. I'm sure all these parties she goes to are memorials for Jackie Jr. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I wrote in my notes is her pain is real. She's just using it to her advantage. And yes. I wrote Dash, and then I wrote, she is a soprano. Mm. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love how much Carmela hates Misty. I love this moment. It's so big. <laughs> it's so small and it's quick. Hey, Mrs. Soap. Hello, Misty. Just like worst person that Meadow could be sure. hanging out with right now. They pick names really well because yeah. Misty is about equivalent to Hunter. It's basically just a new flavor. Yeah, it's just yeah, like yeah. all right, Misty is college Hunter. We got it. <laughs> in the, uh, there's some guy in the driveway with a ponytail. What's his deal? Uh, Carmela <laughs> right. instantly, oh, robe clothes. Check myself out. She does the thing second time in a row now. So last time was not an accident. Right. Yep. The Fury thing is crimping in the mirror. Yet. Open the door, big smile. Furio's looking handsome, the bright greenery around him. They frame that shot like he looks like, you know, fa- fucking Fabio. He's, he's you know. <laughs> yeah. Carm is all smiles, invites uh, Furio in. Furio is buying a house in Nutley. So Furio's planning on staying. I love this exchange. Oh, you're going to become a citizen too? No, you don't need that. <laughs> <laughs> And Tony comes, I gotta say, you know what? I don't know if it's just styles of the times they change, or Tony's looking kinda of sweat kinda of, kinda of swag this season. Tony's looking good. He's dressing up a little bit. He's got suit jackets on. I like the I like the suit with like the white sweater he's got on. I think that's a cool look. I'm gonna say something weird about style for Tony this yeah. season that I've noticed, and it's in the first couple of episodes, but obviously no spoilers. Uh, I, I did notice he's dressing better, but also I was just like, is this also a little bit of a response to the fact that he's feeling self-conscious that he put on some weight? Yes. Because it's like... I can say this as a heavier guy. When I'm feeling fat, throw on a jacket. Right, yeah. Because it's like, Tony's like, all right, you know, you're you're feeling a little heavy, okay, get some new clothes Mm -hmm. and feel great about it. You know, that seems to be what he's done. Interesting. They seem to, in this episode, they're deliberately setting up these scenes where arguments are happening and they're around his dressing scenes. Yeah. Where yeah. he's getting dressed up. Mm-hmm. Occasionally with just one sock on <laughs> trying to have an argument <laughs> with Meadow. Cut to dinner, probably the next night or a different night because Tony's dressed differently at Vesuvio, Alley Boy's birthday party. Mm-hmm. Allie, of course, Larry Barisi, one of the capos of the family who's was arrested at the same time Junior was, his brother Allie. The thin-looking guy with a crew cut having his birthday dinner, and they're all just kind of shooting the shit. And Ralphie, again, looking very sharp, loving the way he's dressing. He's stepping it up, but that's because of his financial situation, not any body consciousness issues. I love the way they come into this. You hear Ray Curdo, you know, it's a gold mine, those Harry Potter books. (laughs) (laughs) They give 95-pound weaklings some hope. And then this happens. Mm. Ralphie... Cuts a very Ralphie-esque joke. Probably didn't think too much of it. Just something he probably thought of on the spot. Got a big laugh from the room. Speaking of 95 pounds, I heard 
Ginny Sachs having a 95-pound mole removed from her ass. <laughs> Big laugh. Big laugh. Interesting. We'll come back to this joke, I imagine. Yeah, and it's it's a throwaway in the yeah. scene. Oh, like, yeah. As the viewer, you're like, oh, yeah, that's funny. But, like, you have no idea what that's going <laughs> to Yeah, then Patsy, little Pauly, are representing Big Pauly, who's in prison right now, in this sub-meeting after the dinner. And they're discussing no-show carpenter jobs off of the Esplanade Project. And for those of you who don't understand what this means, there's two kinds of ways that the mob can... There's, well, the mob, mob guys are always looking for ways to show legitimate income. And one of the ways they do that is through the unions that they control and bribe and, and manipulate and take over. And the no-show jobs are jobs that you don't have to show up for and you get paid and you're on the payroll or whatever. And, no, and then there's the no-works, which means you show up on the construction site and sit around like an asshole and get paid as if you're a construction worker. So no-shows, no-works, that's what they're fighting over, the amount of jobs that can be given out. Paulie wants 10. Ralphie's being stingy, only wants two. They come to a kind of a middle ground. Fine. Then it's announced by Syl that Christopher is going to be acting capo while Paulie's away. Patsy doesn't like that. Immediate look of disdain from Patsy. And you get the sense that Syl isn't wild about it. It's the way certain people wanted it. He doesn't laugh at all at Chris's wings in my hair joke. And Chris is excited for the responsibility, and they have to kind of fake congratulations him, but uh, this is a, uh, even as an, even in an acting capo capacity, this is a big deal for Chris. Yeah. I kind of thought it was a weird choice myself, honestly. Putting Chris in? I did. I don't know. Yeah. I, well, I, I understand the choice from Tony, from that oh, character, sure. but I was also like, Chris has a hard time with a lot of stuff. You're really going to give him this too? Well, it's about Tony. In, yeah, exactly. In if, other words, he were, I see Silvio and Patsy's oh, sure. point in this. You know if he I mean? weren't Tony's nephew, he would not be getting this. Correct. It's blatant. Favorite. It's just his rise is truly meteoric. It really is. Mm-hmm. Well, it's yeah, a lot of it feels weird for me. Later, Silvio says to Tony, he's got a little Napoleon thing going on. Good. I was like, have you read the end of the Napoleon story? It's not good. <laughs> what do you think this is? Um, yeah, it's all weird. And, the, and all the behavior gets... Uh, it, get, it feels weirder as it goes along. It all kind of spins out. I think maybe, I don't know. Obviously, Tony sees some of himself in Christopher, for sure. I think t- Tony, because of how the show is set up, Tony's a young boss. Mm. And he was a young captain, and he was always a young guy who did well. Mm-hmm. Always. If we go back to season one, it's the language they use around him. It was always you from the beginning. Yep. You know, I think that's how Tony wants people to feel about Christopher. But Christopher is just not as talented a gangster as Tony is. He does not have the leadership qualities. He always struggles. Every time this show challenges him, Chris gets there, but it's hard. A lot of stuff gets damaged in the way, including people. Yeah. Yeah. Tony was Johnny Boy's kid, and Dickie Moltisanti's was his mentor. Right, and then Jackie April's best friend. He was the heir apparent. But Tony also happens to be a very competent, skilled gangster, a good leader. He's... Smarter than all these guys. Yeah. Always. Well, yeah, I think, and I think part of what gets messed up here is that the response, um, I also get it, particularly from Silvio and Patsy, who you have to consider wh- whatever the reasoning, whatever the complicated reasoning, perhaps, for bringing Chrissy up, is that these guys are older, they've put their time in. But the way Silvio responds, uh, like, these guys 
the union that it's a corrupt union that you're partnering with. Yeah. You can't be robbing from the job site. That's not going to work. Yeah. Like, so I'm watching this go on. I'm like, this is fucked. What are you guys doing? Mm. Um, and it's another consequence, it seems, of passive aggressive kind of reaming, as Tony puts it. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. I, I wrote about this next scene, and I don't mean from a quality standpoint. I just wrote, oh, this sucks. This really sucks. This Adriana scene in the club with Danielle. About the abortion, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I really... I'm getting emotional talking about it now because Adriana just has no eye for people, no eye for talent, and right. she is sharing this, something she hasn't told her mother or Christopher or anybody, with this person who is destined to betray her at some point. Yep. We yes. know because we've just watched the episode that it's coming imminently, but... I feel terrible for her. This is a big thing for a woman to share with somebody. Yeah. And it's this is Adriana's way of saying, I consider you one of my best friends. I don't really have many friends that are close. Mob people, and this is a real thing. They talk about it a little bit in Goodfellas, but it's also a thing that actual mob people say. You don't get close with outsiders. You don't get close with people who... You're always very cautious of anyone who's not a friend of ours. You can have yeah. a friend of mine, but a friend of ours is somebody to not is somebody to be trusted. Outside of that, you got to be very careful. Hmm. And Adriana is opening up here, and she's to her credit. It's weird that she's working for the feds and is breaking, trying to break up this horrible crime syndicate. And I'm rooting against her and mad at her for what she's doing here. It's weird. That's the complicated shit the Sopranos does to you. Is Tony's operation is awful and deserves to be rotted from the inside out but at the same time i just hate this betrayal and it's tough to watch well because it feels predatory right yeah i mean adriana is weak um she doesn't have a lot of friends or any friends yeah. um and she's being vulnerable in this moment and they're preying on that they're preying on we can't get one of the strong guys let's get one of the weak sort of hangers on adriana is once removed mm-hmm. from the family let's that, get her yeah that's a really good point that 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 does yeah and that may well that will make me angry when we get to the scene with adriana and them in the office and they're yes. they're intimidating her mm. right um this scene i love the way this is who directed this patterson patterson yeah he sucks <laughs> patterson the way that the, there's these eyes on the wall that are like bi- these big like printed blow up of artistic looking eyes like the andrew jackson from the last episode like again being watched and adriana starts talking about this um what danielle slash deb is fishing for is different She's yeah. looking for. She's talking about this guy she used to bang from yeah, Staten I think he's Island. Like connected. Which, by the way, she's very good at what she does. I, yeah. I, I, I thought that story sounded very credible, and that was a very casual way to bring that yes. up. Yes, and she ends up getting something that is more personal and less useful. Vintage Sopranos irony that you end up getting this thing. It's like whoa, um, and she ends up also getting herself into this space of weird. I think some inner emotional conflict because she does have a child and she lies to Adriana about it, of course. Mm-hmm. So all that very interesting stuff. It, it is tough, and uh, Dre DiMatteo, top of her game. Yep. The one honest thing I think Danielle has said to her is, I actually do believe that she knows an OBGYN in the city, and that like that might be something from Deb's real life that she's actually being genuine with Adriana, but it's just a moment, and it's vague enough, of course, that it doesn't ultimately matter to what's happening. Right. But it was interesting to see that she, perhaps she opened up on something real for just even a moment yeah. for her. Yeah, well, she's going to have to fill in the believability gaps with real details from her own life, even yeah. if it's something like that. You can't create a life, you know, whole cloth from nothing. 
Yeah. Even kindnesses are weird on The Sopranos, mm. as, as I think it will also be a kindness about Adriana's fertility issues when Deb later says, let her bring the dog. Because the dog is, I think, partly a replacement for the kid that she doesn't think she can have. Also, yeah. a very predatory line, but the line you say to somebody when they're having something like this, but when Danielle drops the line, it helps to talk. Coming from an FBI agent who's going to be asking you for information, brutal. Yeah. It mm-hmm. helps to talk. Ugh, fuck. It makes it worse that she's good at what she does. Yep. Chris and little Polly come in. I... <laughs> I love the very thinly veiled, hey, you put this in the back of your freezer, it'll take out any odors. <laughs> so yeah. throws him a bag of Coke. <laughs> and Pauly has a flirty tete-a-tete for a moment. Where are you from? You know, as he leaves with Danielle, Chris says something wrong with that broad. Chris detects something. Doesn't he knows. Quite, he, he knows something. He knows something's up. He doesn't quite know what. Gets her a bracelet. He's just been promoted. He probably went right to his jewelry guy. Or right. It's a Carmelo-worthy, beautiful, beautiful yeah. diamond bracelet. It's More gorgeous. carrots yeah. and Bugs Bunny. <laughs> <laughs> and much like, you know, Carmela's emerald ring, it becomes an enchanted object in this episode, right? It becomes something to represent more than what it is. Right. We titled this episode uh, All the Glitters, right? Yeah. As, as from the expression, right? Uh, we will both come to... Uh, reconcile with what this lifestyle attracts and then also what the consequences of this lifestyle are, right? Um, you know, we'll, we'll see how that bracelet, the gift of the bracelet is immediately diminished later in the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the, and is this the sequence when he, does he say Carmela's not going to be first, first lady, lady forever? forever? Yeah. It's, yeah, so it's, what's interesting about that is that um, Adriana will understand more by the end of the episode but at this point, what we know is that even Christopher and Adriana moving up in the world is a double-edged sword. There's complications because Adriana has created this, inadvertently created this huge exposure point. Yeah. Right. Ralphie and Janice are watching Faces of Death in Livia's living room. Like you do. <laughs> sure, great. This is, pre, this is how people pre-internet, you know, you had to watch things like Faces of Death or America's Funniest Home Videos because we didn't have YouTube yet. You know, you had to... <laughs> <laughs> rent these rent these things or watch them on TV, and so they're the sound of that. music is already rented. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an ascot on. Looks great. Fucking ascot. This is two thousand two. Unbelievable. And <laughs> he absconds when Tony shows up. Hides. Tony was just at Bobby's house. How's Boff? How is he? Bacala. He's fat. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, of course. Probably getting a little jealous now that the guy he always busted balls for being fat is away. Shoot. Did you look in the mirror sometime, you insensitive cocksucker? <laughs> <laughs> she's researching. She's doing research for a Christian rock group. Sony didn't work out. Naturally, she's... Well, no, we decided to go for an independent label. Naturally, no, of course. Sony says. <laughs> and this moment is great because we have been talking about how cute and cleaned up and well-coiffed Ralph Cifaretto is, and Tony recognizes him from the shoe. Yep. That's great. That's yep. a great detail. He just picks up the shoe. Ralph Cifaretto, Janice? Ugh. And he tosses the shoe like he just picked up a piece of garbage. You know, he's just Oh, so he's disgusted. disgusted. He yeah. leaves. He is, I wrote, Tony is disgusted. <laughs> what do you care, Tony? It's not your business anyhow. So it's out there. Tony knows this. And we're going to touch down on Paulie in prison here. You look good, better than last time, as Polly is scowling, looking terrible in his orange jumpsuit. <laughs> I think Polly is feeling uh, marginalized. I think so. <laughs> Guy's in the can. 
You want to keep them happy, maybe? <laughs> Gets them the no-show jobs. Mentions that to Paulie. Paulie immediately asks about who's been to see my ma. Nobody. Uh-oh. That glare. Paulie and his mother. <laughs> and then little Paulie tells big Paulie about Tony's real estate deal. Let's remember that detail. Tuck it away for a future moment. Mm-hmm. And then tells Paulie, oh, Ralph told this funny fucking joke, though. And tells him the Jenny Sack joke. Mm-hmm. A throwaway. A line that very easily could have just been in that previous scene to bridge us funny? into... Yeah, to, to bridge... He said that, and you think it's funny? <laughs> Which, by the way, I have no doubt that if it came from anybody but Paul, but, but Ralphie, who Paul is massively jealous of, yeah, yeah. he would have laughed too. Right. But he's... A uh, quick note on... Uh, it's a bit of trivia for The Sopranos. Again, it might not be the easiest episode to go back and watch. Season 3, Episode 4, Employee of the Month... Polly Walnuts hits the first Ginny Sack joke in Sopranos history. Yes. The first one, the first joke about how Ginny Sack is a heavy set woman comes from Polly Walnuts. Correct. And he's getting up on his high horse here. Exactly. That's exactly the point. He's done the joking about Ginny Sack. He is just naturally a predator and he has a hard on for Ralphie. And that's it. So when he hears that Ralphie told the joke, suddenly it's not funny to make fun of Ginny Sack's weight. <laughs> and again, not. Spoiling anything here, folks, but using basic writing 101, who has Paulie been talking to on the cell phones? We're about to see what a no-work job is, and you know what? It's funny. This is a thing I glazed I glazed over my first few times through the series, just as like, yeah, there are mob guys hanging out at a construction site. You have to be utterly shameless to sit around in a fucking lawn no. chair yeah. while men are working around you, being paid the same amount you are. This is awful. I can see a world where someone could isolate themselves from it enough to take money for a job they're not showing up for because you're not around it, you're not seeing it, and it's just your money and your income and it's on your tax forms. But sitting here and getting annoyed at people around you, like getting in your space that are working, Jesus Christ, guys. Guys, I'm just going to say this really quick. The establishing shot is them like setting up and it's near like a sign that I think shows what the plan for the construction project is. And it says in big letters, Newark, the other city by the bay. Newark, I love you. You're not any city by the bay. <laughs> like, I mean, you're a cool city, but you're never, like, can't you, don't don't compare yourself to San Francisco. Don't don't set yourself up for grief. Yeah. 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 yeah Hi, I mean, pick listen. up these ice cream wrappers. <laughs> <laughs> Patsy has so many great, he makes the most of any line. Anyway. Patsy, Patsy rules. Yeah. Uh, it's um, it's them letting us see the grossness of their job again, right? The yeah. show occasionally peels this back a little bit to be like, I know you love these guys, but like, really look at them for a second, mm-hmm. right? How would you feel if you were one of the legit workers on this job? Mm-hmm. Good point. And to bastardize, of all things, a union, which is a bread and butter thing for the mob. Mobs and unions go together like peanut butter and jelly, but unions are also something that are supposed to help uplift the working class people of the world. Right. And of course that they are preying on that and benefiting from it. It's just, it's so gross, but that's exactly it. This is one of those moments when the show has to just jab you in the side and say, hey, don't forget what these guys are. (laughs) If I were a carpenter and you were a (laughs) douchebag. Yeah, Chris rolling up to the site, yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. I don't know if that was improv or written, but... Beautiful. So funny. <laughs> so this is the scene where Patsy brings up the fiber optic cable heist. Yep. 
Right. Yeah. Uh, did he like to boost some of the fiber optic cables? He doesn't specifically time. say it, but he's like, wow. fiber optic cables is awesome. How much do they go for? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they share a look. And it's like a nod. Nod? Hmm. Man. The look cannot be clearer. I mean, we right. might as yeah, well yeah, have yeah. said it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a suggestion, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So. Suggestive, but I guess about as clear as it can get as a suggestion. Right. Yeah. I, I was clear on it, right? Was any viewer... Could conceivably any viewer be confused as to what happened there? No. No, they know something's going to happen. Right. Right. I just mean to say later when Patsy will claim that it was, you know, not his idea. Or rather, when Christopher will say that he didn't give the okay. Oh, like, yeah. clearly he did. Chris is parroting Tony and trying to keep his nose out of it. But doing a shit. poor job of it. But yeah. he absolutely gave... I wrote, there was absolutely a look. Correct. <laughs> Patsy was not incorrect here. Don't they have insurance, these guys? <laughs> and Chris is not above dipping at a bigger job site. Remember the car thieves in season two? They're stealing cars in the lot. Mm. And Chris has to go back and n not tell them what Tony said, which is don't steal jobs. This is a multi-million dollar... Don't steal cars. This is a multi-million dollar stock scam. It says, if you steal, if any more Porsches disappear, make it two towns over and I want a taste. Mm -hmm. So Chris is not above dipping out of a, oh, you yeah. know, looking for the petty pay out of the big job. I like Paulie's comment too. Hey, that friend, yeah, that girl, piece of ass, but fucking rude. <laughs> <laughs> Tony's at therapy now talking about Meadow. Melfi suggests that she's regressing. And then they get into Jackie a little bit. And Tony suggests that. She only brings it up when she's asked to do something or doesn't want to do something. And Melfi reminds him, well, he was shot to death. <laughs> and She says but, to him, "Yeah, drug deal gone bad, right? Tony says, yeah, all the earmarks. And I was like, yeah, all the earmarks. You guys made sure there were all the earmarks. Yeah. Um, and there's, so a, there's a little bit of a shot on Melfi that shows, I think she has some idea that there was more to this than she's being told. Sure. That I think it's a the reason that I I want to center that is because uh, even when you say to your kid who says you can't tell the truth, even when you say you try me, there are terms to the truth. Mm -hmm. You can't tell the whole thing. Um, not in this world. So I th I just I, I wanted to just put a mark on on that. So. Yeah. She, I like that she admits it may be a manipulation in part. That doesn't mean the pain isn't real. Right. On the nose. Great job, Melfi. Right. Nor does it lessen the grief and trauma that he wasn't nice to her. Right. Yep. She says something about medication. Maybe she'd been on medication. They he does not like the idea of her talking to somebody about no, personal stuff. No, absolutely not. She suggests Wendy Kobler, colleague. Tony, again, not wild about it. Anytime somebody else gets suggested for therapy, he... Eh, he's not hot on it at all for Meadow. Cut to Meadow in bed at 11.52 a.m. Mm -hmm. During summers off in college, I wasn't above this, sleeping into this time. But also, Meadow is having a very particular crisis here. Right. I had at least <laughs> registered for classes. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. I mean? Yes, like, yes, yeah. yes. Are you going to do it? Technically, drop an ad goes on for three more weeks. Rude. And... <laughs> Rude. 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 Yeah. Rude and, and lying, by the way. Lying. As well, as she well, knows very to find well. find out her true intention. In fact, what sucks about this is she knew very... I think she knew for weeks she was going to take a year off. Oh, yeah. Carmela finally pushes and she realizes that she... Meadow realizes she's running out of time. And says, look, I decided to take a year off. He, what? Immediate. My personal opinion, which is worth whatever the fuck anybody would pay for it, which is nothing, <laughs> is that... 
as a society, we push people to college too soon. I actually Correct. wish there was a gap in between high school and when people pursued their higher education. Mm. I know I was in a much better equipped place mentally to tackle college when in, I was in my mid to late 20s rather than my early 20s. Mm-hmm. I wanted nothing more to do with school, but it's just kind of what you're expected to do in, Amer- in America is finish high school and go to college. I wish we as a society didn't force kids right into college out of high school. That said, m- m- uh, this is a shock, and it's being done, I think, for the wrong reasons, perhaps, uh, on Meadows' part. But... Yeah, well, I was going to say, I, I completely, 100% agree with you that I don't think college is for everybody, and I think some people are better equipped for college later in life, for sure. But Meadow is a good college candidate, and she's ready now, but she's having things in her life that is making... Going yes. back to school difficult, and she's got parents that are unsympathetic towards that, but also she's being a bitch. Well, <laughs> you so, know, yes. all those things are true at yeah. once. Yep. And obviously, you don't want me here. You think we don't want you here? Oof. Tough. That's a tough thing for any parent to hear. Yeah, that that was an, as Jordan has said. I felt for Carmela like that's gotta that's gotta hurt. Yeah, yeah. Who does she think I am? Bill Gates? She knows what I make. Artie Buco. You're the bartender. You're supposed to be listening to my problems. <laughs> that, that's the kind of line you think of when you're writing and just Artie's, laugh all day about it. Like, that's hilarious. He's having a tough time, isn't he? Artie yeah. Is, Artie's so in the background, through. that divorce or whatever is happening is still going on. Yeah. I <laughs> just love that they work together. They run the business together. So <laughs> she knows he's not loaded, yet she's trying to hose him in court. I think that's very funny. Sad, but funny. Chris comes in. Tony's immediately pissed off. The M80 and the porta potty. I fucking told Benny. <laughs> Don't fuck with me on this. Right, exactly. <laughs> they lifted the fiber optic cable. Think Christopher used the big picture. It's a quarter billion dollar job. Chris is properly excoriated. He knows he gave the order, but he's going to toe the line and try to make this right as best he can. And then we cut to <laughs> a great sight gag. The scene, I don't know I don't know how necessary the scene was necessarily, but Ralphie and Vito playing basketball, talking about Janice, <laughs> her big tits. A little weird scene. Yeah, it is an odd scene. It's, it's funny. I think, uh, yeah. I, like I said, I, I don't know 100% why this is in here. I don't know. I, but... Can we even name all the things that are weird in this scene? <laughs> Ralphie and Vito as a combination in a scene, you know, a two-hander. Uh, those two playing basketball, of all things. Yeah. What the fuck is Ralph wearing in this scene? <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, playing basketball. Prime basketball like. gear, yeah. Yeah, the topic of conversation with these two that, I, I don't know, I don't think, I, I don't know. Janice, the way they're talking, I don't know. Something feels off about the conversation mm-hmm. or false or, I don't know. Yeah. It's Ralphie, you know, it's him talking over this thing. It's the... I mean, well, it's, there's something almost soliloquy-like about this. Like, they wanted to get Ralph's motivations for being with Janice and it being a career thing for him, too. Yeah, right. Him rigging the game in his favor. Almost, yeah, it's no. another Richie Aprile thing with a smarter player. If yeah. it were a Shakespeare thing, he would step out to the audience and say, ah, but I am secretly manipulating Janice to <laughs> right. better my career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, uh, Janice does have nice hair. I, I agreed with them it's, on it's that. Pretty, I was like, yeah. she's got some great hair. Great hair. Nothing but net, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Let's play again. Vito looks like he's about to die. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is this Vito's death scene? Is this the end of this character? <laughs> yeah, he's not going to survive yeah. to this. Well, yeah, maybe that's it. It's like a comedy scene. Oh, I yeah. Mean, and, uh, you know, we'll get back to Janice has once again fallen for superficial charm and 
something a bland kind of style. Right. Mm-hmm. Carmela's on the internet looking at uh, real estate and stocks, and I wrote, Carmela should buy some NFTs. That might help their money situation. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <laughs> I would love it if The Sopranos existed now just so I could hear fucking Tony talking about NFTs. Yep. The fuck is this? I would... <laughs> Listen. <laughs> obviously, Sopranos is perfect. I don't want any more Sopranos material to be made, frankly, but having... Having to see Paulie deal with COVID... <laughs> <laughs> and Tony dealing with like a, some kind of Bitcoin, right. cryptocurrency, right. NFT bullshit. Christopher comes with a crypto scam. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, there's Tony. There's... I bought Dogecoin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tony Soprano dealing with TikTok. Yeah. What the fuck is this? Right. AJ having to explain it. They're like so videos. I don't funny. know. <laughs> there's a lot of ripe material there. This is when the he drops the line about I'm sure all these parties she's Meadows down the shore all these parties she go to their memorials for Jackie Jr. Right. Carmela tells Tony she's not going to college she's taking a year off. Tony is like what the fuck? I also remember this whole thing being a thing with between me and my parents when the internet was first proliferating every household. <laughs> Are you still online? Yes. As a matter of fact, I am. Yep. Can't use the phone. Yep. Can't Amazing. go online yourself. Yep. So crazy. It was that me was and my thing. mother too. I was like, Mom, I go to I, I want to go on AOL. Yeah. If mom's on the phone and you want to go on AOL, or your mom's on AOL and you want to go away on AOL. It's that kind of shit. Yep. So funny. The original internet. That's so crazy. Tony's line, I knew all this ha- constant harping on art would cause trouble. <laughs> that might be like a series line. Yeah. <laughs> you know, really. Yep. That's a good one. Yep. No fucking way she's going to Europe. Cole Melfi's therapist. Tony says, "No, she'll go. She's going back to school. They got Ivy. They got better ones. Ivy League ones. Counselors. She's talking about. Yeah, I think this is also the scene where he drops uh, some line. I'm, I'm totally paraphrasing. Where he's just like telling her she can't go to Europe is only going to make her want to go no want want to go more. Oh, you did learn something from the Noah Tannenbaum situation, didn't you? Yeah, <laughs> very good, Tony. Yes, Chris and Adriana at home." I'm starting to love these two first scenes with them. We're getting more of them. As both yeah. of their as both season four is a big escalation in the importance of Christopher and Adriana both, and they're great together. They have a really fantastic chemistry they've built over these years, so it really feels natural. Like you're watching a couple at home alone. This is great. I think I know what's wrong with that broad, and it's some bad shit. <laughs> tell us. If only he knew. Danielle was there, and they had some pizza and beer, and Chris is drinking his beer. It's not good enough. You know what? I'm going to get high. Adriana says, Christopher, I thought you were going to stop with the new promotion. And he says, I am. This is my goodbye party with heroin. Just like in the last episode. I got it under control. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He's also, it's a different tune than what happened before. When he first got the promotion, he went out and bought her this bracelet. Mm-hmm. He says, everything's looking great. He hits a snag, and now he's like mad at Tony. Like this asshole never heard of a learning curve. And now mm-hmm. he's got to get high. Yeah, exactly. He quotes Tony here. Look at the big picture. You know, you know, look at the big picture. She mentions he was rude to Paulie. Oh, yeah, he's Jude Law. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. And uh, are you really that fucking blind? And this is a quote here. She's a dyke. <laughs> no. <laughs> he thinks Danielle's a lesbian. And that's... <sighs> He's, he's close. He knows that something's off, that something's different. Yeah, classic stupid man thing yeah. to say, but also, like, his bullshit detector's going off. He just, like, that's the only thing he can identify because he has cracked part of the flaw in Danielle's disguise. She's dressing as kind of like a skanky Jersey girl, yeah. but she's not 
returning any flirtation with any men. Yes. Like, to play the role perfectly, I'm not saying um, uh, Deborah needs to sleep with any of these guys or hook up with them, but she does need to flirt back a little. She's a little too frosty with all the men. Yes. And it lets Christopher right onto her trail. Mm-hmm. Very good. Very astute. That's like one the one big flaw of that character yeah. of Danielle. Then, yeah, but you're right. She she shouldn't have like gone and like fucked little Polly, but she, No, of course to, not. To be like, like a little like, oh hey, you know, like Yeah, kind of establish a harmless flirtation with yeah, somebody yeah, yeah. that you can play into a little bit. So at least Adriana could say, like, no, she actually really likes little Polly. She's just she's not sure because I don't know, something with her ex husband or something. You know, yeah. something give, right. give her something to yeah. make the story believable. Cut to Chris, the only character on the show allowed to wear sunglasses, wearing sunglasses. Quoting Tony verbatim. Verbatim. Use your head. It's a quarter billion dollar job. Boy, Patsy looks like he wants to fight. Patsy's like, who's your idea? <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a look. A look. So I'm a fucking mind reader now. They're going back and forth. Patsy is so pissed off and annoyed having the team. Yeah. He just does not respect Chrissy in this Chris role. Chris is half his age. At all. Yes. He's definitely, of course he'd be resentful. It's very believable. And I love this. Paul and I actually watched a little bit of this together, and I we were dying laughing when this happened. Little Paulie, doing the thing he should do for his boss, probably a little closer to Chris in age. Won't happen again, Chris. And Patsy just fucking slaps. <laughs> little Paulie cannot like catch a break. <laughs> Even when people aren't angry at him, they're angry at him. You think that's funny? Uh. <laughs> little Paulie is becoming a low key. Uh, favorite of mine he's very funny and yeah, he's the way he's moments, yeah. interacting with everybody is really funny here well and often like sometimes patsy's the one who gets like verbally abused or whatever mm-hmm. so now yeah, patsy's exactly. hitting him and stuff <laughs> <laughs> cut back to the soprano kitchen they're having the big sit down with meadow about this tony's in his i like tony's tracksuit here uh, just a personal note and they're talking about Europe, and they're kind of belittling it. Oh, some student film. It's not a student film. It's a feature on DV Cam. It's oh. absolutely a student film. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. This guy hangs out with Dogma. Yeah. An honorable mention at the Winnipeg Film Festival. Yeah, student film. <laughs> Dogma's Which, a sick filmmaking style, by the way. Nothing wrong with, yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with student film, but she's making it sound like this is a better idea than it is. And she has all these ideas... I like this, uh, Jackie was murdered, whatever, and I like, uh, <laughs> Carmela's response. Oh, so French discos drive away all bad thoughts. Yeah, the, the conversation I think we should have here is how legitimate is Meadows' trauma, right? And then why does she not kind of come out and say what's really wrong in a way that maybe Tony and Carmela can understand? Do you know what I mean? Like, obviously... We all wish in our worst moments we could say things perfectly, right? Uh, maybe Meadow doesn't have the emotional maturity or maybe the self-understanding that she needs to say in this moment of, folks, uh, you know, you all expected me to go to Columbia and be an all-star. I'm not. I'm a C student, okay? I really thought I loved this guy, Jackie. He wronged me. He died in a traumatic way that I can't get over. And I can't go back to Columbia where I'm already a C student and fail there again. You know, uh, I can't figure out my life. And also, additionally, I feel like you two don't always have my best interest in heart, at heart. You have your plans for me. Like, your, your idea of what my life should be at heart instead of, like, my well-being. She can't say any of those things perfectly, so everything just comes off as annoying, prevaricating. Um, you know, it, none of it comes off as anything we, the viewer, like, right. sees as 
um, authentic representation of her thoughts and feelings. It's just side effects of those thoughts and feelings. That's because in this family... No one tells the truth. Everything is always lurking beneath the surface, unsaid. All this pussyfooting around. Exactly. She says it. Um, I think that I'm going to... I mean, the trauma I think we'll get to later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, this scene isn't close. Yeah. It's not touching on it yet. Wendy Kobler, maybe like Chris accidentally in some way having an instinct um, with what's going on with the woman Deb, Kobler, um, in her stupidity, uh, accidentally touches on the trauma. Yeah, correct. Which is what she says to Meadow, you don't like talking about Dad. That's the trauma. Yeah. And we get this very interesting stylistic thing here where the conversation kind of fades out and we get this odd... It's hard to pinpoint exactly what this sound effect is. Some kind of ambient, almost train speeding up sort like of sound as we push in on coffee Tony. Coffee percolating, maybe? Yes, yeah. yeah coffee per- it's some kind of escalating sound of unrest as the conversation fades and Tony's just going into his own world. It's a cool way to get this across. And then, you know what? You know what? Go. Go. Tony throws it in. Maybe the College of Hard Knocks is what she needs. Let her find out she has to, you know... Wait till some gypsy lifts her wallet and she finds out she's got to have a permit to work with the French hold on to like their balls. Yeah, well, I have a slightly different reading on it. Yeah. I think even though she's prevaricating and she's pussyfooting around the, the issue and whatever, I think he heard her. Do you know what I mean? Mm. A little bit. Interesting. I like that. I think like he hears the bullshit and I think he, I think that sound, I don't know what that sound is. I think he can hear whatever's underneath it. Right, that's, I mean? that might be a good representation of what that was all about. Right. He and feels I, what's bubbling under the surface and says, right. cuts it off. You know and what, just go. Yeah, there. he says it in a Tony Soprano way, still yeah. rude, still throw it in your face, but like, yeah, go. You need to go. 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 Mm-hmm. So I, I think he's telling her to go. <laughs> yeah, you know? it could be. I think, he don't, I think he doesn't want to hear it. Okay. Right. I think he doesn't want to listen to this. I think that he... I think a big Both part are of, valid potential. I think a big though. part of what the structure of this episode points to is that Carmela took care of the domestic stuff and Tony went out and worked. Oh, no doubt. And what we're seeing at the end, why she blames me, not you, what for, for being the template for how to be an accomplice. Yeah. Hmm. Carmela confronts Tony. Thanks for the united front. <laughs> if we fight, the more we fight it, the more she's going to want to go. You know how she is. She's going, Tony. Tony tries to find things in it to shut Carmela. Maybe she'll find an Italian boy, an actual Italian boy. <laughs> you want him to marry a foreigner? No. Although, look at Furio. What's wrong with him? Eh, that's a nerve. There's a, <laughs> definitely a, a, a moment with Carmela there. Like, okay. Uh, and she just goes she re- she she retreat her response is a retreat of sorts but also a solidifying of her position we need somebody else to toe the line for accountability and responsibility i'm not going to sit back and allow her to throw her future out so let's have her go talk to this cobbler person yeah this confrontation was enough at least to convince tony to allow that to be the case tony's very skeptical of melfi shrink I want to say this. This actress did a great job with this Linda character. Lavin. Linda Lavin. Alice herself. Uh, but I hate this character from from line one. <laughs> so maybe you go on an antidepressant. You're not paying for it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Meadow is in therapy here. This is an interesting dynamic, seeing Meadow in this kind of environment. She's going on about 
the egregious saccharine ballads that everyone's blubbering over in the finale of season three. It actually gives us a nice insight as to what was going on with her then, because yep. it was a little confusing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And, yeah, you can, you've said it many times, Paul, you can't bullshit Meadow. That's the one thing she got from Tony, that is, he says to her in, uh, I think it's Bust Out in season two, you know, you, people say you're like your mother, but you're all me. Mm-hmm. Nothing gets by Nothing you. Nothing gets yeah. by you. And so she... She, while everyone was like sitting there crying at Junior's thing, she's just like, you're all blubbering. This is your mess, you fucking assholes. <laughs> you did this. How dare you all pretend to be sad about it. And so she's very cynical about it. She smoked a joint with her friends, well, as long as she didn't deliberately purge. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned, Jackson, your father does waste management, wink, wink. What does wink, wink mean? And then they start, the conversation shifts into Tony. Subject of Tony. You mentioned Jack's father was in the mafia. I didn't know yours was as well. There's no such thing as the mafia. Hello. Call back to college, which is what she was told by Tony. Mm. This is... uh, So even at this front, in this forum, she still... She keeps her family secret. She knows how to toe the line for the family when it counts. And the therapist, not being a total loser, says, you don't like talking much about dad, do you? Did dad ever molest you? What about no, mom? What Jesus. about my? Yeah, Jesus, good lord! It's it's uh yeah, this therapist is annoying, but um, yeah, I I gave her a bit of a pass. She is annoying, but I I think that is mostly what she deals with. Right. You know what totally. I mean? I don't know. She's an uh, uh Melfi introduced her. She's an adolescent therapist specialist. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's that's got it. There's a lot of abuse and sure. eating disorders. That's what she tries to ask about first. It's done mm-hmm. in an annoying way. She's not that likable of a character, but I was also like, all right, well, this is her business. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the conclusion she comes to is not what Tony and Carmela sent her there for, though. Right, she enables. Perhaps, perhaps yeah. <laughs> perhaps they need to examine their own needs to have you go to college. <laughs> well, ding, ding, ding. Yep. Blow yes. off, blow off their self-esteem issues. Oh, and by the way, I'm on a consultancy for <laughs> Barcelona. You should, you know, I can, I can get you in there. It's a, it's a hot school. <laughs> but. Here's the thing, right? She's correct. This is to- about more about Tony and Carmela's need for her to go to school, but for the wrong reasons, right? It's I, I think Meadow, I think the right choice for Meadow personally is to go back to school and, and get back to it. I think Meadow knows that too. It's just right. hard to get there. But Kobler's not entirely wrong here. But this is not what Carmela and Meadow were hoping to hear. It's very funny. The exact opposite of the reason they sent her there. <laughs> Meadow going back to school, while I agree is probably the best plan from like a, an objective perspective, doesn't actually fix any of Meadow's problems. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't fix the family structure that she has to deal with. It doesn't fix her relationship with her parents. It doesn't fix how Jackie Jr. died or that she misses him. It doesn't really allow her to heal. It just puts her back on track for her career in a world where she may be able to succeed. But... She knows there's something wrong. She knows that she can't really fix it. She knows going back to Columbia won't. So I feel bad for Meadow, even though she says really rude, horrible things to her parents that make me regret what she says. Yeah. Yeah. Very well said, Jordan. Back of the Bing. Bachelor party. Some asshole slipped on a lime wedge. (laughs) (laughs) Sill starts talking to Tony about Patsy. Chris has got a little Napoleon thing going on. Yeah? Good. So is a little taken aback by that. Tony detects that Syl is feeling a little bothered. 
So Patsy feels marginalized, quote unquote. Tony laughs. What the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> but something's going on here with Sill. Sill is probing, and he's not liking what he's hearing from Tony here. It's subtle. Sill is being very. Sill is not someone who would overtly bow up to Tony, but it's clear that his argument for Patsy is coming from him. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, that Silvio feels marginalized. And... Right, exactly. He's proje- he's projecting to feel Tony out here about this, and he's not liking what he's hearing. Yeah, a little jarring for the viewer, too, because Silvio has always been set up as, this is about as level-headed as we get in the family is Silvio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think it's funny, because I, as I, I think I said before we recorded, like, a Napoleonic thing is not good. It's right. not a good thing. Tony's like, good. I'm like, no, it's not good. But Christopher's Napoleonic vibe where he's so he's like sort of self-obsessed could be argued to serve him in a way in this episode because he he thinks this woman is trying to fuck them up and she is right yeah, like sure. as it turns out <laughs> starts off with chris say complimenting danielle's pants in the club oh, jesus <laughs> she tells him oh thanks got a bb's you know all that adriana comes by this scene i'm sorry this scene is just very funny <laughs> This is just a very funny scene, although what it leads to is not funny, but the the ins and outs, the lines, the beats, the way this scene explodes, I laugh very hard at several of the beats in this scene. They go back to celebrate with cocaine in the back room. They're showing off the bracelet, blatantly offer her cocaine. Oh, this is good shit, Danielle. Chrissy's got a good connect. No, I'll stay with the champagne. Mm-hmm. Is that another tell? Which I, if, if... Chris and Adriana had half a brain between them. That would have been a big red flag, too, in mm-hmm. addition. Like, oh, she's not going to do the drugs, huh? Really? Interesting. Doesn't it make you feel so cheap as a human being that it's this easy to become your friend? Do you know what I mean? Mm. What do you mean? I don't know. I feel, um... I'm going to compare this to, like, a weird other HBO show that a lot of folks listening to this probably didn't watch, but uh, Westworld, right? Uh, Dolores on Westworld, you know, basically says, you know, humans are, are not that hard to figure out. You know, you basically, you, you the, the whole chronicle of what goes on in the human mind can fit into, like, one slender volume of code. The FBI have this down, you know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. like, yeah, we you, we can make anybody like us. You know, it's just, it, it's, it feels so cheap that, yeah. like, you know, she's able to get into Adriana's life so easily. You know, that she's able to um, create the facsimile of a person this easily. Yeah. Right? It makes humanity feel cheap to me. I think that's what I like the least about the FBI on the show is because they've reduced humanity to, uh, you know, like a series of gestures and actions and just kind of things you say. Thanks, they're from BB. You know, it's okay, you could talk to me. No, I'm good with my champagne. Like, it all sounds human, but it's not. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I really love that. I also Thank feel you. really bad for Adriana in on the whole because it's clear that she needed somebody to talk to yeah. about any number of things, even just somebody to shoot the shit with, which she everybody needed. Somebody needs. outside of Christopher to have a. Like, she needed this friend. And that her, the pathetic ending to this scene. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, ugh. Yeah. God. Talk about human. Oh, right. This is after Christopher tries to come on. Yeah, so they're kissing. They're making out. She's sitting there awkwardly. Chris puts a hand on her thigh. Oh, I love it when couples do this in public. Yeah. Horrible. (laughs) Horrible. Start making out and you're sitting there. But, Paul, maybe next time it happens you'll get a hand on your thigh. Yep. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Hopefully. 
What did he think was going to happen? Come on. He, he, he said, know. let's see where this goes. Maybe I'll get a... He's coked out. He's probably a little drunk, too. Him and those, Him fucking, those fucking videos. videos. <laughs> <laughs> Him and those fucking videos. <laughs> That's a funny line. Remember when there were videos? Yeah. So, so, question. I guess the answer is no, but, like, if... If Danielle was a real person... Yeah. And Danielle didn't push his hand away, but rather stuck his hand into her pants. Yeah. And started, like, taking her clothes off and stuff... Would Adriana have gone along with this, or she would have been disgusted? I don't personally think so. Okay. But maybe. Who knows? Good question. Because I, I think she's the one who interrupts it. Like, she, Danielle's trying to push it off, and she's like, oh my god, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I think Adriana's the one who looks and says, what are you doing? Right? Right. Although, who knows? Maybe if Danielle's like, hey, it's, you know, whatever. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows how this could have went had Danielle been a real person, and, you know, maybe it would have still been awkward. Maybe Danielle would have been into it. Who knows? But... I think Adriana probably is a little bit too possessive of Christopher. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like I, mean? I said, I think the answer is no. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah, but that's interesting. And uh, <laughs> who are those fucking videos? Before you came over, she was telling me where she got her pants and she fucking BBs. Like, I give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he prompted that. And uh, and the improv about the underwear. Her fucking underwear. Her fucking underwear. <laughs> she didn't talk about her underwear. <laughs> <laughs> you say, you're saying she had a nice ass. I was trying to say something positive because she's your friend. <laughs> Murder. That line is so funny. So good. <laughs> Broad like that, a fuck a snake. She's trying to get. She's trying to fuck us up, Adrian. Correct. Then, she is. Yeah, absolutely. Which Chris is not wrong. Just in the again in the right. Correct about the wrong thing. Right. Well, Paul's old adage, right? Yeah. These characters don't know how right they are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yes, there is a concession here, and in the end, her loyalty to Christopher wins out, and she apologizes. Chris gaslights her successfully, and she succumbs, and he wraps his arms around her, and that's it. That's it for Aiden Danielle, as we'll find out in just a few scenes, but cut the sill fixing a trophy. <laughs> just working on it with glue. And Patsy is coming in. I like that he... Uh, Mentions the floor tiles, fucking alfalfa. Calls him and says, "No dipping at the job site. No dipping at the job site." According to fucking alfalfa. <laughs> but uh, Sill gives the okay for the tile robbery. These floor tiles. Bad, bad, bad. He Patsy knows the order comes from Tony. Sill's like, "That's okay. I got your back. Do it." And very interesting, unexpected behavior from Sill, but Patsy is okay. Listen, I don't know. I, I get that it's greedy and it's a tricky situation. I feel like if I were told that by Syl and I were Patsy, I would try to get information to Tony. Like I wouldn't. I would if I knew the order came from Tony. And Syl I just would, wouldn't have done it. Yeah, I think Syl was giving me contradictory information. I would have uh, skipped out on that. But you know, Patsy wants to fling shit at Christopher, and yeah. you know, so it's I a complicated I, situation. Listen, yeah. I wouldn't have done it. Tony's nobody to fuck with. Mm -hmm. And the next beat is just going to make it worse because the fight, the the misunderstanding, the whatever it is, um, or the reaming, it ends up at the job site itself, where yeah. they don't need to be fighting and they don't want to be pulling guns on each other. Yep. So, I want to point out a moment of excellent blocking in the next scene. For those of you who don't work in acting or any kind of performance art and don't congratulations. know... Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. For you civilians out there. Yeah, thank you for making money for yourselves and your family and <laughs> having a happy life. But... <laughs> Blocking is essentially, if lines in a scene are what you say, your blocking is where you're moving and when, right? 
it's rare that you notice the blocking. If it's done right, you really shouldn't notice it. But I noticed it because I loved it so much, and they make a point of it. You don't see Tony's face in the first part of the scene. You see him coming down the stairs to breakfast, and he gets low enough on the stairs that you still can't see his head. But he sees Janice sitting there and stops <laughs> for a second as if he's like, Janice is here. And then continues down the stairs. That's great blocking. That's excellent. So Janice is at the breakfast counter, and they discuss Ralphie and this thing. Ralphie's a great guy. He's a sense of style. What business is it of yours anyway? Well, that is my business. Considering I had to haul your last boyfriend out of your kitchen in a, he- in a hefty bag. <laughs> <laughs> it's a term of art. I think it was probably several hefty bags. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Right. yep. <laughs> my happiness really drives you crazy, doesn't it, Tony? Yeah, probably. <laughs> he lets her leave on that. Yeah. Yep. And he is a bit like his mother. But... They, they both are. They both are, indeed. Absolutely. And here's the other fun thing about this scene. I, there's just some fun imagery, I think, where, like, again, like, she's fallen for this superficial charm in the sense of style, and she says to Tony, are you threatened by his sense of style, like Ralph Lauren <laughs> and stuff, but the style, the Ferragamo shoes, was the giveaway, yeah, which prompted this disgust, um, the shoes, and what will prompt Janice's disgust is also Ralphie's feet. <laughs> when oh. he's clipping his toenails. <laughs> that is funny. You catch some shrapnel. <laughs> so a sense of style. Tony lays it out. Janice, what's funny is, again, right while also being wrong. She's not wrong. Her being content with somebody is something that drives him nuts. That said, he's not wrong about Ralphie. His whole thing is like, do I know this guy better than you? Because I'm telling you, he's no fucking good. And he's correct. Right. He is no fucking good. Yeah. I wouldn't want anybody dating Ralphie, let alone my sister. You know what I mean? So, that's funny. Adriana calls Danielle back. Five fucking messages, Danielle. Don't you take the hint? And it's over. This friendship has collapsed. Don't fucking call me anymore. Hang up. Five, four months of work right down the drain. The feds are convening and deciding what the next course of action is going to be. And... They congratulate her for a good job, and they say, let's just bring her in straight up. We have They have enough for at least a couple charges to hang over her and intimidate her with. And she leaves, and Harris says, you know what the problem was? She gave Moltisanti a hard-on. So what? We should hire all these kafutas? <laughs> <laughs> my, one of my favorite tags in this episode is right there. Yeah. When uh, Kubutosa says, you know, I had a dream about her the other night. Yeah, <laughs> it's that funny bit. Almost like it seems like a parody of Tony's sex dreams that Kubitoso has sex dreams too. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> These feds, man, I gotta tell you, what kind of to Jordan's point, what kind of social life must people who do this kind of work have? Where they, how do you trust anybody who tries to be your friend or try to be close to you when you see how easy it is to manipulate yourself into somebody's life? At least in Deborah's case, I mean, she married another FBI agent, so it's not so different from it's not so different from the mafia, is it? Mm. You stick to your own in that case too, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh, Listen, not insulting police at all. I've got many wonderful police in my life, Mm -hmm. but um, a lot of cops are friends with just other cops, and those are their friends. And the cop wives are all friends with the cop wives, you know. It's very insular, like the mob, ironically. Similar to the mob, and that was not an insult. I'm just saying. I, I think they have a hard time trusting people outside their circle. They have a very specific business, and that is that. Yep. Yeah, it's probably also, I mean, but 
not that any, not that an everyday parent would just throw their hands up if their kid were talking about going to Europe, but Meadow going to Europe is part of a larger question of getting away and how far away do you want the kid, as opposed to staying close in many respects, including Columbia, which is right over the bridge. Right. Yeah. So there's that connect, I think, between the two storylines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're on the golf course now. John Ventimiglia golfing. I would watch that. I would watch him just play a full round of golf for two hours. <laughs> that fucking movie does when he just misses the shot and how long it takes for him to line that shot up. And, he still and Gandolfini like waiting is yeah. really funny too. Like fucking arty. Jack Mazarone shows up. Oh, this boring cocksucker. Jehovah's Witnesses are more interesting. <laughs> I love that Tony's bored by Jack Mazarone. Already recognizes him. You came into the restaurant. Problem with the Sagittelli, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Artie just what? walks off. Artie's having a tough time, dude. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's, he, remembers him, he remembers his problem customers. I love that. <laughs> but the meat of the scene is that Jack Mazarone informs Tony about the theft. Tony thinks he's talking about the fiber optics. Again, I took care of it. No, this is no, the this floor is the tiles Mexican now. Mexican floor tiles. And Tony hates being surprised in this kind of way. And we don't need to see. We talk a lot about the scene we don't see on the show. We don't need to see what Tony went to Chris and say because we see how Chris immediately responds by screeching up to the to the construction site with Adriana. This probably happened immediately. I bet whatever Chris was doing that day, they had dinner plans or something. They were on their way to see her mother see her for mother. dinner, yeah, yeah. right? I assume the scene we didn't see was they got interrupted once already yeah. to go have to see Tony about this, and yes. now they're late. Yes. But now he has to go directly to the job site to hand Patsy his fucking ass. And he's pissed. Adriana brings this dog everywhere. Yeah. Including dinner with Cosette, her. yeah. Because mm-hmm. it's her replacement kid. Um, yeah. To, to see her mother for dinner, she's bringing the little shit machine dog. All right. <laughs> yeah, this fight is productive. Let's go to let's go to the site where we're doing these no work no shows, and Chris is gonna pull a gun. Yeah, exactly. It's good PR. Not productive. Entertaining as fuck to watch. I love this scene, but also yes, completely counterproductive. Not good. And the one worker there is like, hey, why don't you guys like not fight at the work site and gets a pipe yeah. upside the head for his trouble? Yeah. I distinctly told you lay off the fucking job. Talk to Silvio. He gave the order. You stupid fuck. Oh my god. Chris pulls a gun. There, go at it. And, oh, and Chris, Chris you fucking idiot. Chris pulls a gun and just lays it down. He told you, what, you know, he's not having it. He is screaming for his reputation here. Patsy can't hit him, but he's got a fucking pipe in his hand now. This could get real ugly real fast. The conflict is so crazy because it's like Chris pulls a gun but can't shoot Patsy. And yeah. Patsy pulls out his pipe but can't hit Christopher. Yeah. So who gets hit? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> a, a normal person. Yep. Another and black it, scapegoat. Right, that's exactly. Right. And it gets personal, too, because Chris says, don't think I forgot about you going through my fiancé's underwear drawer. That wasn't me, you stupid fuck. <laughs> is Patsy, that what he says? It is. It was me, fuck. I like when Patsy spits on him. Pooh, you bastard. Adriana's <laughs> just like, uh. That's, that's, you know, that's such an like angry old Italian man thing. Pooh, you bastard. <laughs> Dan Grimaldi is so good. So good. Patsy's been killing it, guys. Yes, he he's really on a roll lately on this show. That's why I said when he first came on the scene in like late season two as Patsy, that he's low key one of my favorite characters. Yeah, in the whole I didn't show. know what to think of that when you said that. Then, now I've but like, now no, it's no, starting Patsy's to make sense. Real good. It's just really every he he makes the most of every moment he's on, and 
because they can't do anything to each other, these are two made guys. Paulie's the capo of the crew in reality, even though Chris is the acting capo. So uh, this can't this can't go any further. So frustration has to be taken out. Chris gets back in the car and leaves. It wasn't Patsy going through the underwear drawer, by the way. That was Paulie. Paulie, yeah. To 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 be fair to Patsy, but Patsy was with him. <laughs> and so he looks over at this black construction worker, and the reason <laughs> him being black is important for a reason I'll get into in a second is threatening to call the cops. And Patsy sees him on the phone and is like, "Who the fuck are you, Ralph Bunch over here?" Boom with the pipe. Important note for those of you who may not know, Ralph Bunch is a very famous Nobel Prize winning mediator who worked for the <laughs> UN and was black. It was like, he was like a, a big he was a big famous uh, black Nobel Prize winner as a U, as a mediator for the UN. <laughs> so uh, of course that's who Patsy references when he's like, oh you know, oh cracks him real good with the pipe. It's actually really tough to watch, even though it's darkly comedic the way it's tonally presented. Oh, it's horrifying, but it's yeah, very yeah. funny. Yes, exactly. And yeah, as his veto saying, get him to the hospital, tell him to keep his mouth shut. Keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks, Vito. Cut to Meadow being annoying again. On the phone in bed. Carmela has the audacity to walk by and Meadow asks, Mom, can you make me a tuna sand? Oh God, Meadow. Fuck make a sandwich yourself, you stupid. I know. Oh God. Carmela steps in. Can you hang up the phone, please? And she's serious. Meadow's not sure for a second what to make of this, and we're about to get to the big confrontation here. She hangs up, asks about Dr. Kobler. Meadow says, I don't have to tell you, it's confidential. She's right, but that's what we paid $200 for. Tony. If, if only. What affordable therapy yeah, that used to be. <laughs> <laughs> Completely irresponsible. They start arguing. Tony! <laughs> he's putting on, he has one sock on, he's not fully dressed, he's, takes the sock he's about to put on, just throws it up. Right, this was like, the one just, sock scene, that's right. He just cannot be rid of this problem, he, he yeah. cannot ignore it. He doesn't want to hear it, but here we go. He steps in, and, what did she say? They do a slapstick gag here that could have been very stupid, but they play it just right, especially with the way Meadow's been behaving and regressing. He sits on a chair. There's an ice cream bowl under a bunch of shit. Mm -hmm. He just tosses it to the side, sits back down in the chair. Tony, not the only one that medicates his problems with food, by the way. Right. Mm -hmm. nice. Specifically ice cream. Yep. Yep. It is my right to go to Europe. She says, it's my right to go to Europe. Oh, really? Carmela says, I feel battered. <laughs> Tony's so pissed. I could crush Melfi's head like a walnut. <laughs> and this is a, they're, they're seeing that this is not the result they wanted and yeah. then it gets on to work the topic of work in Carmen in Meadow drops the first big big shot I think in this scene which is uh, I forgot about the pivotal role of the work ethic in this family this is getting to the heart of the matter now mm -hmm. yep. Meadow doesn't know how close she is when she starts talking about Prozac right uh, yeah, very oh, true, yeah, very true. She thinks I should be on Prozac she said that Jackie was murdered all that and it's tough, and when Tony says, and Meadow challenges Tony, you know what, I don't get that, you were all in favor, and Tony's response is, your mother doesn't want it. More Tony removing himself from the domestic responsibility. Right, so that is true. And she goes for the gut punch here. Ooh, listen to Mr. Mob Boss. Ooh, 
Now this is getting good. What did you call me? What did you? Call yeah, me? you watch everything shift inside. Uh huh. Yeah, this is Tony. Now, now you. you but she said Maba, so that's who she summoned out of. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yes. Speak of the devil, and he may appear. Yeah. This is when he steps up, and Carmel's like Tony, and he says, "Shut up," to Carmela. Tony, but he is not hearing it. She has summoned the demon. He gets right in her face. I've never seen him talk to her like this yes. on the show. Never. No? Yeah. He gets very emotional. And uh, are you trying to imply that I do everything I could to keep that kid from fucking himself up? That I didn't actually smack him around? He's really giving it to her. It's like, you you know, what do I mean? What do you mean? All these innuendos. All this pussyfooting. She, she says all this pussyfooting around. They're getting to it here. She is having trouble responding. I don't know that she was fully ready for what she got here. But she comes back at him a little bit. I'm sick of telling people you work with environmental cleanup. Like, you could talk honestly for two fucking seconds. You try me. You try me. Does he think that he can? Is that... What do you mean? Does he think he can talk honestly? I don't know. When Because he, he's right there with her. He says, you try me. He can't. He can't. What, what if that three seconds is preceded by Meadow saying, what really happened to Jackie? Then he can't talk honestly. Under no circumstances. Yeah. It has to be massaged. The truth has to be managed. Mm. That's what we're talking about here. I'm sick of telling people you're with environmental cleanup. By the way, the camera cuts to Carmela and she flinches. Important moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, to other things that Tony's saying to her are true. Yeah. I did. He did slap Jackie around. It is because he was frustrated. He did try to help him. Mm -hmm. Not a sterling job, but... <laughs> You know. He can't ever tell her the truth about this because it'll sever the relationship forever. So this was a big. So him him doing this was a gamble. He was counting on her not actually going there, which Maybe is like he, poker, like it's a bluff. And he and he won the game of chicken here this yeah. time. But if Meadow had had the temerity to he, push a little further, he'd have would, to lie. Yeah, wow. And she would have to believe it. That's fascinating. I'm gonna skip to the end, please. Um, at the end of this episode, when they they're doing the scene in the sink, the big wide shot that Patterson does in the bathroom. I think Carmela says, to some effect, uh, you have nothing to feel bad about. It's me she blames. What? Tony says, what for? Silence. Fade out. The reason it brings me back to this scene is because when Meadow is starting to break the emotion, she's starting to cry, she says to Tony, I'm through telling people you're with environmental cleanup. I thought I could be projecting here because I'm just throwing things out there. We talk sometimes about the scene you don't see mm -hmm. on The Sopranos. This is not a scene in the timeline of this episode, but I think back 17 years to when Meadow was a precocious little girl already smart, and Tony was where he was, out somewhere, working or recreating. And the primal scene happened. Mommy, what does Daddy do? Your father is with environmental cleanup. Tony is the template, as Melfi said, for all future lovers. Carmela, among other things, I think a very good mother is the template for how to be his accomplice. Mm -hmm. I think that's why Meadow, I think that's why Meadow blames her. Yeah. The answer to the question that we're there never going to get in the end of this episode because a we cut out and b I don't think Carmela wants to go there either and doesn't want right. to articulate the answer. Well, you know, she blames me. What for? For demonstrating how to be an accomplice. For being a weak woman. For. Staying with you. For staying with him, yeah. That's rough. That's yep. rough stuff. That's dark, man. Ooh. So it's not about... So Tony is like talking in the therapy session like it's not about him. Yeah. It is about him. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's really what it's all about, right? This this projection of using Jackie. But it's about the trauma of home. She wants to get away from this shit. Yeah. And the hypocrisy. And she sees through the bullshit. And she's, she's reached a... Bo- Jackie... It's less about Jackie, the person she had a relationship and maybe loved for a time, dying. And more about the environment that created that situation to begin with. That was a boiling point for her. And her going to Europe and getting the fuck out of here, as she says at the end of the scene, going back to where we are in the chronology here, is about her wanting to be away from this. What she may not have the foresight to see is the best way she can get away with, away from this is to get her degree at Columbia and go do something out of out, and, and not be dependent on a man ever and to set something up for herself in a way Carmela couldn't. Hmm. Yeah. You know, so she needs to come to that conclusion herself. But what a journey to get there. And this scene is very tense and very good and very well emotional. acted. Yeah. Extremely well acted. Extremely well acted. This is really a shining moment for Jamie Lynn. I think she was Descala at this point. Jamie Lynn Descala. Or was mm-hmm. that not yet? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Jamie Lynn Sigler. She changed her name when she got married. But very. She good. was married already on, at this point? I'm not sure. She might have been. Yeah, it was either. In season four or season five, one of but but around at some point her name changed. Oh, okay, to Jamie she got married as a young person. I didn't know that. Yeah, twenties. I mean, she's older than Meadow. Oh no, I know yeah, that. Yeah, but, but she's uh, not yeah, still young. Yeah. yeah. Well, who am I to say? <laughs> Going from one rough spot to another, Agent Harris scoops up Adriana, who's out walking Cosette. They don't let up here. The Man, fuck episode. these people. The fuck these episode. people from yeah. the start of the sequence to the end of it. It's rough. This sucks. You hate watching it. You hate watching what they do to her. She's just so unequipped to deal with this. It's... They scoop her up. Ada feels punched in the gut when she sees Danielle as an FBI agent. You work for the fucking FBI. Get in the car. Come talk to us. They bring her down. Am I under arrest? Cubitoso, not at this time. That could all change momentarily. They're planting the seeds for what's to come. Aid is legitimately hurt here. And it's less about your FBI trying to jail my fiance. It's about I trusted you. It's about I shared things with you that had nothing to do with any of this shit. Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah. And again, we talked about JD Mateo. She's so good. This is really her chance to shine as an actress here in a way that she hasn't had to in the show before. This is really good. Usually her emotional scenes are after some kind of <laughs> verbal abuse from Christopher. And not being thrust into this really terrible betrayal and situation. I love when Deborah tries to smooth it over by saying, this is a way out, Aid. This is a way for you and Christopher to start over. And she says flat out, finally, this bad judge of character, you don't give a shit about us. And this is the first time she's right about her. You and your fucking OBGYN, they talk about Christopher. Your fiance is moving up in the world, or down as the case may be. Smug. Smug. Terrible. Agent Harris. Is your name even really Danielle? She still can't listen to the task at hand. She's still feeling upset about this friendship. She's probably going through in her head all of the conversations they ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, how can you not at that point? You're thinking about, what did we talk about here? What did we talk about here? And it's just so sad. I felt really, really but terrible But what really hurts her. is the stuff that's personal. Yes. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We just want information. They don't want her to wear a wire. They we just want information. Which is, well, okay. Yeah. We'll come back to that, but that's why this plan is stupid. And what if I say no? <laughs> and what yeah. if I say no? And we're going to charge you with 
possession of cocaine with intent to distribute, a charge that carries with it 25 years to life. And then when in Harris adds, when you're out on bail, you can explain to Tony why you brought an undercover FBI agent to his house during Sunday dinner, which prompts the only acceptable response. Projectile vomit. Projectile yeah. vomit all over the table. Really gross. And serves vomit. them right. Oh, you know, yeah. I was to like, be covered Good. in it. Yeah. Yes, this is, you, this, is, uh, this is a mess of your own making. Enjoy it, guys. That's how I felt about it. Right. Uh, and we get a shot of the bracelet actually covered in some of the vomit uh-huh. uh, yeah. during that sequence. Yeah. Um, you know, t- kind of tying it all together. Uh, yeah, fuck these people. Yeah. You know, get a waste basket. <laughs> Frank says wiping vomit like all out of his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's rough. You feel for her, man. This is this is tough. It's of all the people in Tony's operation who deserve the shit treatment from the feds, this is the one that you don't feel good about, right? Well, yeah, and again, not for nothing. This is a dumb idea. It's yeah. not going to work. Um, also, Deb also feels bad for Adriana at the end for all the good that it does anybody. You do get a flicker of that sympathy, right? yeah. Yeah, like her just looking, but it's like, job is done, Yeah, right? Yeah. Adriana's on the hook. This is bad she's on the hook. Now, what's also sad, too, is Adriana's completely outside the ballpark on this stuff. Meaning she's not a skilled gangster. She's probably had very few, if any, run-ins with the law in her lifetime. At least on her own. Maybe some of the men in her life. But the idea that if she were to take the arrest, that any court in the country would put her away for 25 to life for having a fucking dime bag of coke in the back of her nightclub is preposterous. But Adriana but doesn't know that. That's the point. She yeah. doesn't know that. So when Frank says 25 to life, she's like, oh my God, that's it. I'm yeah. done. And of course, that's not what happened. It was, a you know, honest to God, the smartest thing she could do at this point would honestly be to just take the charge and come clean to Christopher right away. Correct. And let them deal with the court aspect of it. But, but they're intimidating her as literally, I mean, it literally makes her sick. Well, this scene actually, to your point, guys, made me think of a scene. I mean, it's a while ago and we didn't see it, but when Big Pussy got snagged, when he yeah. got caught, and the way that they got him to cooperate was simply showing him whatever evidence they had that he was moving heroin and said 25 to life, which is, in effect, the rest of your everything yeah. if Big Pussy goes to jail. That was how they got him. We have you dead to rights. Here they had to work on Adriana's blind spots yeah, and all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. So rough stuff, but a good scene, hard to watch. Silvio shows up at Casa Soprano. Tony looks a little tired. Med- uh, Carmela also looks like she's been upstairs having trouble sleeping. Who is it? It's nobody. Go back to bed. Oh hi, Sil. Silvio's here. They go talk in the basement. Tony spot. Tony and Sil work this out as am- as amicably as possible. I feel like if it were anybody but Sil, this would be an ass chewing. But Tony, I like the way they have this conversation. Sylvia's like, hey, it's a misunderstanding, you know, timelines got screwed up, and Tony's just very <laughs> casually asking, you know, did you deliberately disobey me? What what happened here? You had some quarter billion dollar job, Sill, and timelines got crossed. Sill is just shutting it down, so you get offering the end. It won't happen again. But Tony, being a wise leader when it when he needs to be, sees what this is about and understands it and says, you know, if you feel in any way that Christopher usurped you and you were trying to feel me out. You know, that's not how it is. And Syl says, okay, this is about as amicable a settling of this matter as you're going to see in a, between two gangsters. You know what I mean? Right. Whole thing misunderstood. Yep. Right. So Tony, I think, told 
Silvio was playing it close to the vest, but I think Tony told Silvio what he wanted and needed to hear. And Tony has no reason, based on the past, to suspect that this will ever happen again. So he essentially makes the overture. So must be looking at, what, 30 grand here? And Sil knows what that means. Reaches into his pocket. Here's two. I'll get the rest for you. I know you will. Really nice tag, right? Like yeah. just to uh, let's let's remember who what the pecking order is here, right? And what this is ultimately all about, which is that dollar in your pocket. Don't fuck with the money. Yeah, right. yeah, good. It's a good point. It also keeps keeps it away from it being personal, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, this was a business thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So they're still good, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clip, clip, catch some shrapnel. <laughs> I think Janice. This is a short little scene, but I like it because it's a little moment of Janice, perhaps. It's a quick way, without making a whole episode about it, of Janice seeing through, perhaps, some of the sophistication and outer charm of Ralph Zaffaretto. <laughs> it's just not a glamorous way to see this guy who presents himself Correct. In, a, in, a, in a way that is... Gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, maybe that's it, Chris. Because like, the, the storytelling's good. We talked about this in our Season 3 retrospective. You don't need a lot of dialogue. Right. You have a shorthand for the characters. Yep. That seems like 30 seconds, mm-hmm. if that. Yep. Right? Great. Right to the point. Morality, self, and society. Meadow is trying to sign up for classes. This is the one she ends up getting. Several of the popular classes are already booked up. But she's going back to school. She went back to school. Tony and Carmela were worried she went to Europe, but she didn't. In my mind, I like to imagine she went without telling them she went. That's exactly what happened. I think because I felt exactly. like it's like I'm gonna go clean Grandma's house. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Meadow will sort herself out, for the most part. You know. What caused her ultimately in the moment to make that decision, do you think? The same working out that you did while we were sitting here talking about the episode. She's weighed all her options and she says, I, I, I think I should go back. Yeah. Even though it doesn't fix the problems. It's just, it's the best place for me right now. Yeah. Mm. That's a good point. This, I is, think... this is a, And it also fits the pattern for Meadow, too. In the end, she will do the right thing. She just has bumps getting there. But unlike the other Soprano child... When the chips are down, she does also trend in the right direction, even though the growth is slow and there are regressions and, mm. and an ebb and a flow. Meadow at least always goes the right way in the end when it counts. Yeah, I had thought of it like maybe Carmela in the last season where she struggles with these moral questions and then seems to make a deal where she can carve out a space for herself. So mm. in that construction, the, this new class the morality self in society again like trying to figure out this space for myself yeah. and but i think you're right chris that even though there's something a little carmela-esque about meadow she's in a better position in fact because of how much carmela's done for her yeah. that she can move forward like carmela meadow's gonna live on the good part yep well said and in the last scene which we talked at length about i like that long shot it really sh- the last shot I like how much space it shows, a lot of space between them. The composition of the shot almost feels like they're in two separate worlds. Like they almost yeah. could have shot the two of them in separate rooms and stitched it together almost. That's they sort like, of are in separate rooms. Yeah, yeah. It's a, there's such a distance there. And I really like the feeling that the composition of that evokes. Yeah, it's sort of an artful anti-finish yeah. on this episode. Yeah. And this first line that brings us into the last exchange, which we dissected a few minutes ago, and I'm, that's awesome is what I mean when I say that there are more threads so far in season four that are just touched down on once or twice an episode that make it a li- make these episodes a little less insular. And that is Tony starts to see, I was thinking, uh, your cousin Brian, we can talk to him about estate planning. 
That's something I wasn't talked about this episode. He mm-hmm. brings it up as a continuation of something that was brought up in the first episode. My cousin Brian was talking about a trust, right? So that's it's a consolation, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's it's, it's a, uh, you know. It's not it's a little it's one of those classic like too little too late unremarkable thing. It's not what this and then Carmel is that Carmel, what Carmel says, says, "Yeah, what are you are you feeling guilty?" Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then we go into that last line in that last moment. But it's brutal, and we talked about that last scene, so I don't know how much more we need to go into it, but that's no show. Are there any final thoughts on this episode and how season four is going? Only in terms of my experience, I realized I liked talking about this episode more than I enjoyed watching it. Mm. Um, and that's not to say it was a bad episode. It's quite a good episode. I just um, I think it was a more rewarding show to sit and reflect about and have conversations about than it necessarily was while I was viewing it and enjoying it. It was more enjoyable now. And I think think i'm getting that that's kind of the flavor of quite a bit of season four it's just you might not like like what you're seeing but you're gonna be affected and the conversations that come out of it are richer yeah i really liked where some of this discussion went and what questions these are posing about these characters but that is very much the vibe of season four it's it's different than the other seasons and we're going to talk yeah it's different already the tone is we're going to yeah we're going to be able to talk about why that is the more we get into it and get into specifics but there are definitely some changes to the way that the show is doing business. And I think it's a natural change and a good change. But it definitely rubbed a few fans the wrong way initially. Though generally, I think at this point in its legacy, fans have come back around on season four in a good way. But at the time, it was like, oh, I don't know if this is the show I signed up for, for some fans. We'll talk about that the more we go. But thus far, I like these two episodes a lot. No show was my favorite of the two. There's a lot of shit being planted here. So we're going to see how it all pays off. Yeah, anything else on No Show? Uh, very briefly, um, the I can't let it go without saying this, that my favorite band has a music cue in this episode. The last, the uh, ending, the song that plays over the credits is Kid A by Radiohead. And um, Meadow is Kid A. It's a weird track. It's uh, very moody, very slow. The last line in Kid A is the rats and the children follow me out of town. That song is sung from the perspective of the Pied Piper who takes the children away after the parents have reneged on the deal. So that's the formation of what happened with the ducks in season one. That's what Tony and Carmela are having an existential fear about in this episode. It'll also play a role in this very interesting season that I agree with you guys is very rewarding to talk about. Agreed. So we'll be back next time to talk about Michael Imperioli's next turn in the writer's seat. He's done two for two so far with the Telltale Mozzadelle and From Where to Eternity. We're going to see how Christopher pans out. I'm going to tell you now, it's going to be an interesting episode, maybe a little different than a lot of the other episodes we do. The episode Christopher, season four, episode three, is widely regarded by many fans as the worst episode of The Sopranos. Quote-unquote worst, because in my opinion, even the worst episode of The Sopranos is better than most television. But that said, if you look at any rankings list that a fan that is fan-made, Christopher has a good shot, the next episode, of being at the bottom of the list. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about why that is the case and how we feel about it. But it's a controversial one, so I'm kind of excited to cover it because it's a little different, it's a little wacky, it's... An episode that requires its own kind of perspective. So I'm excited to cover it. And with that, I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hughes. And we'll see you next time for Christopher. I got myself a girl.